Hey guys, Tom Ulrich and Sean Quigley here from the podcast What's Going On Here? You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And to get in touch with us, uh, just go to our Facebook page and leave a message or email us at what's going on here podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, guys. Okay, yeah, so um, the uh, Terracotta Cop gets uh, uh, Agent Rogue, saves her last second while Toby drops off into the water, which we already determined can't be more than like 30 feet, but obviously he doesn't swim, and they were probably in shark-infested waters. Yes, probably. Yes, and and that's why he's dead. But before we go on, I'm going to open up in in terms of the Olympics. We did the um, Japanese beer. We're going to go with another... Winter Olympic Powerhouse Canada. Yes. And this beer is called, and I'm sure my Quebecois brethren will kill me. And Steve, I'm sorry for butchering this. Uh, Eric, if you're listening to, I'm sorry. Um, this is Maudit. And it is by Unibro. Unibro? Uh, Unibro. 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 <laughs> Uni, uh, actually, if it's Quebecois, it's probably Unibro. But anyway. It is a Belgian-style double ale, 8% ABV, with uh, 22 IBUs, and it is brewed in uh, Chambly, Quebec. So, here, cheers to Quebec. Ravi? Cheers, indeed. Cheers. There you go, my friend. I'll crack this sucker open. That's, oh. And this one's kind of fancy, because they wrap the top like with aluminum foil, almost like a champagne bottle. Yeah. So this is and this is all this is a microbrewery up in Quebec. So F L O K. What does that mean? Florida, uh, Florida and Oklahoma. Oh, I think. What? Why it's there? I don't know. But anyway, well, let's try it. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. Oh, well, that's nice. That's nice. That's very nice. Definitely a lot heavier than the Kirin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Kirin is, yeah, the Kirin was a nice, uh, very, very easy to drink. But you know what? It's not like this is hard to drink because no. this is full of flavor. A little bit heavier. Not too carbonated. I'm getting a little bit of a, like a caramelly flavor. No? Are you picking that up? Uh, I am. Just me? I'm, I'm a little bit. My nose is is betraying me a little bit. Okay. Although this is coming through. It says ale brewed with spices. It's not giving us any other info really here. Ale but it's very tasty. This is a nice beer. If you guys see it in in, in your Canadian section of your liquor store, pick it up. This is nice. Modit. Modit. Well, huh. that's tasty. Good. I don't really understand what the picture is on it. It's just like dudes on a canoe and there's a devil guy. Yeah, it looks like a, a gargoyle, a demon. Why the guy's on a kayak? Well, that's not doing anything. That's a canoe, not a kayak. Yeah. You got a kayak is usually one or two people. 
Uh, I never know which way it around is. I grew up in England where, in England, like, there's one word for things and that's just the way it is. And the, it's, you know, it's, the, it's the British way. It's the colonial British way of just like, yes, that's one of those. And like, and someone says, no, actually, the locals call it this. And they're like, oh, yes, whatever. It's just canoe. Everything was a canoe. Just, yes, he was one of those fellows on a canoe. Like, oh, it's not called a canoe. Yes, yes, or whatever. <laughs> it's the canoe. <laughs> that's, I was actually, I started watching... <laughs> Uh, which is a lot, which I'm really enjoying at night before I go to bed, just kind of like something easy and just uh, make you laugh. And I'm watching on Netflix um, Comedians in Cars Having Coffee uh, with Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. And I just watched the episode he did with Trevor Noah. <laughs> and he says to Trevor Noah, he says, you know what? I'd love to come to South Africa and do a show with you. And he says, what do you say? And Trevor Noah says, what, what? Could I say to that besides, yes, of course, because, see, the way you presented it, it's like a colonial coming to, like, a foreign land and saying, with a gun in his hands, hey, do you mind if we share this land with you? It's <laughs> 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 like, well, uh, sure, okay. <laughs> it's kind of like that. <laughs> so, <clears throat> okay, so anyway, um, so they rescue Agent Rogue, uh, the other lady that did a little compact switcheroo with the purses is in their custody they show them they just docked and there's a bad guy in a car waiting and they put up the pictoglyphs the 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 chinese alphabet next to the side we don't know what it says obviously but it's some description of the character and he's waiting and he sees terracotta and his cops and you realize at this point terracotta is a cop uh, is leading the woman down the plank to their car. They have a car waiting. And the guy, the, the, the bad guy, I guess the other Japanese spy is furious. You can see he's furious because the acting is so terrible that it's, you can tell it's, he's just furious. Yeah. And um, Agent Rogue is kind of all giggly and happy with her friend in the pretty white bonnet. And, and they're like, see, I told you I could do it. Kind of like, kind of like plucky, I'm plucky. See, I plucky. I pluck. So, um, and then you see the girl that's being led, the woman that's being led by the cops, by Terracotta and his boys, sees the other Japanese agent in the car and starts tapping her hand ever so slowly so the other guys don't see, but the guy in the car obviously sees. And she's tapping out a code in Morse code. It's like, ooh. And the guy is kind of tapping out the code, which confused me because I was just like, is he sending her a message back because she can't see it because he has his hand in his lap in the fucking car and she can't see what the hell he's doing. Yeah. But he, she, but I, I realized he's just mimicking what she's doing and he, this is like an extra uh, thing for him to read what she's saying in Morse code. Morse code always really confuses me. I mean, I, I don't understand how someone can... I understand how you can give me some Morse code and I can figure out what it means by that. What always confuses me is the ability to be able to intercept Morse code because they never hear it from the beginning. You're always intercepting Morse code like... It, it takes you a while to go, what's happening? Oh, this is Morse code. Oh, okay. You know why? Because Morse code, I think one of the protocols is you never send it just once. Yeah. You always repeat like the message three times, and that's why. Oh, okay. They, they can intercept it because you're right. 
Yeah. Well, why would you send it more than once kind of stuff? But, you know, you're going to be like, oh, S, operating system? What the fuck does operating <laughs> system mean? I'm not going over that. You know, you don't hear that first S. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. kind of like, eh, okay. He's, he's freaking out for no reason whatsoever. I just feel like we're going to get him out. They're just like, these words don't make any sense. <laughs> uh, banana, man, uh, juice, ship, juice, ship, juice, juice, ship, ship, juice. Off for man, water. <laughs> oh, well, huh? I need to go backwards. It's like it turns into just a duco. I'm like, oh, no. Uh, which order are these words supposed to go in? <laughs> Agent Rogue is an orange. She's yeah. gonna peel her skin. <laughs> she's just had a whole bunch of acid, and she's mm. gonna peel herself. <laughs> yeah. So uh, she sends out a code, and a guy's like visibly upset about this, and that car with the Japanese bad guys drives off. Now here's a funny thing, and. I mean, I guess this is a historical uh, a reference, and I was laughing. They have all the cars, and they're very... The cars are specific to the period, and they're pretty good. I actually think the cars might even be a little bit uh, newer, because those cars kind of look to me like cars in the 40s, but I could be wrong. Yeah. They didn't quite look like those are quite 30s cars. But anyway, and so they had a little... I feel like they wouldn't have up-to-date cars necessarily in China. They'd... Wouldn't they be a little behind? But they were in Hong Kong. Oh, they were in Hong Kong? I, that, the whole setting is supposed to be Hong Kong, and that's why... Oh, so it's the, the little The little badges, I think that was Hong Kong. Oh, okay. And if it wasn't Hong Kong, I think it was like one of the colonies or something. Oh. So like Shanghai, maybe, or... or, or. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't Macau, because that would be Portuguese, but I think it was Hong well, that's Kong. That's what confused me, because during that scene with the, the, the car... There was in the background. There was the Coca Cola advert. I remember thinking, "Well, that's one thing that's been weird in China in 1937." You know, let, let me take a, let me take a quick glance at, at, at the description, but I'm pretty sure. Okay. Oh, this is unprecedented. Just leaving the room. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm very confused. I feel like there's a lot of pressure on me all you of a sudden. It doesn't say. It doesn't say. Uh, Sean, take over the show. I gotta yep. go take it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't say whether it's Hong Kong or not. Now I'm fascinated about this Coca Cola ad because I don't. I feel like Coca Cola. Well, Coca Cola got started like in the 1800s, like 1895 or something like that. Yeah, but by by the 30s, by that time, Coca Cola was fairly well known. I think. Was. Hmm. I just uh, the, the, the way I say it is because like Hong Kong, okay, so Hong Kong is ruled by England. It's a you know it's an English colony, and right. I don't remember ever seeing any historic Coca Cola ads in England pre like the sixties. So why would it be in Hong Kong in the thirties? That's what confuses me. I'm like I just don't. Well, Coca Cola history began in 1886. The, when the curiosity of an Atlanta pharmacist, Dr. John S. Yeah, Emerson, just some one dude having some sarsaparilla. Coca Cola. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm getting the info uh, for you here. <laughs> You'll have to poo poo it right away. Uh, <laughs> Let's see what it says. 1899. Um, uh, uh, uh. Okay, it seems the bottle was their biggest like marketing thing. Because it was so recognizable that everybody knew what the bottle was. That they knew it in the dark. Okay, this is not... Let's see, let's see. Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look up Coca-Cola in the 30s, right? Yeah. Coca-Cola in the 1930s. 
Let's see. Well, okay, so here it goes. By 1920, Coca-Cola could be found at all but six soda fountains across the U.S. So, let's see. It's like, does it say anything internationally? Uh, no, Coca-Cola celebrates its 50th birthday in 1936. So, okay. Well, I see an article on Coca-Cola. This is Coca's own website. Dating back to November 24th, 2014, there's an article entitled Celebrating 35 Years of Coca-Cola in China. 35 years in 2014. Okay. But that's Communist China. I mean, Communist China only celebrates since, what, 1947? (laughs) You know, so, I mean... Let's see. Uh... Anything, anything, anything. Coca-Cola collaborated with the Nazis in the 1930s, and Fanta is the proof. Wow. Okay, I don't know what that is. Um, all over the world. Blah, 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 blah. blah. Well, anyway. We'll have to look that up at, at a later point, I guess, to see... It, whether it's realistic that it was in China in 1937. I completely don't think it is. <laughs> and I have no reason other than I just don't think it seems right. <laughs> Damn it, how could they? But it's, well, you know, I mean, in reference to that, you're always surprised at, like, what people had and what people didn't have access to because, you know, as, as far as my ancestors go, <laughs> I mean, my parents didn't know anything about Coca-Cola. Yeah, well, but that was like communist Yugoslavia in the fifties, and they were little, they were from little podunk towns. I'm sure people in the big cities knew what it was. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess so. I mean the fact, like, well, I I don't I don't know. Only, I, according to this, it didn't go on sale in London until the early 1920s. Okay, when it appeared in outlets around London, including Selfridges, so that's high end. That's like a high end. That's not like a Right. It's like a high speciality item, and that's in the early 20s. Early 20s, so that still gives it a good uh, yeah. 10, 12 years to but get that's to still Hong London. Kong. I mean, that's not Hong Kong. I mean, well, I just don't know, okay? I just don't know. Well, the, the reason I'm skeptical of it okay. is because it was so prominently featured, uh-huh. you can't just throw that shit up. And because the, the slogans are exactly the same as they are now, right. my skepticism comes from the fact that that's just them advertising Coca-Cola now. Oh, to, to support the show? Yeah, and get money. And Coca-Cola are like, well, yeah, we were around then. But no one looked into it enough to be like, well, we wouldn't have been in 1937 Hong Kong. You know, I I like your Coca-Cola marketing angle, mm. but I'm going to dispute it in a minute because we're about to get to the good part and, okay. and that we both laughed about, right? Yeah. So, uh, a bad girl, bad lady... Gives them Morse code. Japanese guy is pissed off. They drive off. They have their cars, and the cars all have these little curtains along the side, which I found hilarious because they didn't have them just in the back seat of the car. They had them in the front seat. And I'm like, how are you supposed to look out the window to see if somebody's (laughs) coming on your side, which is just stupid. So they're driving. Oh, the sun's coming through the window. Close the curtain. (laughs) I guess, yeah. (laughs) Um, So then they show... 
uh, uh, the car with the Japanese guy kind of off in the distance waiting. And the car with Terracotta Cop and his posse and the captured woman are driving. And she looks at the car. And Terracotta Cop is actually pretty slick. He sees the car and he kind of recognizes it from the docks. And then he looks at the woman. And she kind of looks away to not give away that she's noticing this car. And then the Japanese car starts coming towards them. But Terracotta Cop is not your average cop. He's, no. he's a good cop. Oh, yeah. He knows what he's doing. He's... He already reaches into his holster and is popping his gun loose. And then you're like, all right, shit's about to go down. My boy Tarek, my boy TC, he knows what's happening here. <laughs> and as the Japanese car drives by, you see the Japanese dude, he's in the passenger seat, pulls out his gun. And the woman in the cop car turns sideways and like looks, and everything's now being done in slow motion. She turns sideways and looks out the window, and she, she completely tilts forward to get past the other two cops that are in the back seat with her. And as the Japanese car drives by, the Japanese dude shoots through his window, yeah. which, ironically enough, when they did the shot there of him shooting, they never showed the driver, but he's in the front seat. So I'm sure the driver didn't like the fact that a bullet just, like, blew by his nose. <laughs> First of all, he was like, what the fuck, dude? At least give me a heads up or something. That's that's not even a question. And he shoots her. And, well, he shoots the gun. And you think there's going to be a big shootout. But you realize she tilted forward and turned sideways to present herself as a target. And I guess what the SOS, or, or, or not SOS, the Morse code signal she was tapping out was, I'm compromised, kill me. And that's why he was upset. Yeah. And so you see the bullet, and the bullet comes in slow motion, almost like one of the bullets in Wanted with yeah. with, with McAvoy and, and Angelina. Did you see that movie? Yeah. Right. And the bullet comes in slow motion, and it hits her in the forehead. And the minute that happens, we start laughing. Because the makeup and the special effects of her getting shot in the forehead was so bad. It looked like the goop that you get at the IHOP on the pancake, the strawberry-like topping, it looked like someone just kind of dipped a finger in that and just kind of put it right on her forehead. It was so awful. I mean, it was like bright cherry red. It was like, no, that's, no, that's not what blood looks like. No, it's, this is all wrong. And the minute it happened, I started laughing. I said, it always seems to be the factor when we watch one of the Chinese TV shows. Certain, there's at least one aspect at the show that, for whatever reason, the budget just does not reach that department. Yeah. And in this case, it was the makeup and special effects department because that looked awful. And then, to top it all off, so the Japanese guys get away. She's dead. Terracotta Cop is all upset. And then they show her again, supposedly dead. But this effect, and you were like, oh my god, that is so badly cgi it didn't even look like CGI to me. To me, it looked like it was a poster of that picture where she tilts her head out and someone put like some raspberry jam in the middle of her forehead there. Yeah. It was terrible. Like there was no blood splatter in the back of the window. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like one of the reasons, you know, you, everyone loves the Tarantino movies is because like that's what people imagine it looks like. Like, well, someone just got shot in the head. There's going to be brains and skull <laughs> everywhere, right? Because someone just got shot in the head. This it, it was just this neat little thing. Car's untouched. She's just dead. Now, maybe it's a small caliber 
pistol, and that's why there's not a whole lot of damage. You know, going the James Bond route with the because you always have the twenty two Beretta, and it's just like you know what, you shoot somebody with a twenty two, you're not st- unless you're unless you get them in the heart or in the eye or something, you're not stopping them because it's a twenty two. That isn't gonna happen, you know. So maybe that's their reasoning. I don't know, but anyway. So now, to conclude it, they show Terracotta Cop. Now he's in cop uniform. And we were saying this. is like, I don't think these guys were dressed so brightly back in the 30s. Somehow I don't think so. But I guess the idea was that they were on holiday, they were on vacation, and that's why they're dressed kind of festively on the ship. It's like, where would they even get that style from? Like I said, it's a British colony. Like, definitely wasn't the style of Britain. No one was dressing like that then. Right. Everyone had these horrible baggy beige suits and <laughs> right. you know, it was all bad you know, everyone was square. All the suits were like square and it didn't look Yeah good. no the fashion did look a little too modern. Everyone had their long like collared shirts yes. and their you know their tie they didn't look as good no. as these guys. When did. they came back to the police station it looked more what you would expect it to look like in the thirties. Mm. So Terracotta Cop is they show the guy who's obviously the chief of police, and some guy comes and I, I don't know why they just can't tell the fucking guy aloud what's going on. This trope drives me a little crazy. So some guy comes up to the uh, chief of police and leans over and whispers something in his ear, and nobody knows what it is. Uh, we all know what it is. Why can't he just go, Chief, Terracotta's here to see you. W- w- what's the big secret if he says that out loud? What's he ruining? That's what I don't understand. And they always do the same thing. Uh-huh. And it's always this reaction of either stoic or I need a moment. <laughs> Why? Are you going to crap or you want to fart before the guy comes in? What's. I don't. That's that's a puzzling trope to me. It just doesn't happen in real police stations, you don't think? <laughs> People just like coming to knock on the detective's room and they're like, Detective, uh, we. Uh, Jim noticed that we ran out of toner in the printer in uh, the ground floor office, and uh, um, <laughs> Jessica just said we need we need order more uh, um, dish soap for the, uh, the the kitchen. That's right. But uh, I think she's using too much when she does the dishes, personally. Um, but it's up to you. You're That's the right. boss. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Lieutenant. Johnson's thinking of getting pizza, but we all want to get tired. Do you want to get tired or you want to get pizza? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like emotional just battle. <laughs> Thai pizza, I don't know. <laughs> right, so anyway, so Terracotta walks <laughs> Terracotta walks in and he starts telling him what happened. And the chief first looks all calm because all chiefs are calm. And, you know, under control. But then he gets up and he's like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, shit, he's pissed off. And Terracotta feels bad. But then they show the Japanese office. And here's the bad guy who's in the car who shot our woman in the back seat. And he's talking to some guy. And the guy who's obviously in charge. And it's this is also the hilarious trope. I have something for you. And he hands it to the guy. And the guy just has his back to him. And he doesn't turn around and talk to him like a human being. He just... Sticks his hand up and takes it without ever turning around. And then he reads it. And of course, he's got the fashionable bad guy Jade ring on his finger. And he turns around and he's, like you said, he was very dramatic, very breathy. He was like, ah, General, what are you? Ah, 
<laughs> and that was like, and you were like, oh. and he actually got emotional. So I'm guessing yeah. the woman that like said, shoot me in the head might've been his romantic interest. Cause he looked like he was going to get teary eyed. His acting actually wasn't bad. It's just like, story wise, it was just kind of like, oh, okay. All right. This is, and, and so obviously there's a lot of cloak and dagger going on. So in terms of overall story, I thought yeah. it was interesting. Uh, Agent Rogue, the girl who played Agent Rogue, I thought her acting was bad. Yes. The makeup, as we both said, was just terribly bad. And this is... And it's a shame, because the, the camera work, with the exception of when they were on deck and everything kind of got washed out, it's like, who's the DP on this? Did you just, like, hire a kid from school and he was, like, smoking a doobie in the back? I don't know what's going on. But, but, but the cinematography in places was like, eh... Did you really go to school for this? Because <laughs> you because know, I've done student work film. And these kids are like, I'm like, okay, when they talk about these guys like winning Oscars, if these kids keep it up, they're going to get there because they're such fucking anally retentive about the details. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you sit there and they literally talk 20 it minutes. Matters. It changes the atmosphere. Yeah. And again, that's the Spielberg thing of the little things that people don't think like. Already, like with the uh, the premise, when we're first on the boat, whatever we're seeing things. Right. Like, to me, I mean, there's no real reason why it should be, but if we're in this like cloak and dagger, like spy situation, we're on a boat, right? Close corridors, people are getting chained to things. I feel like it needs to be kind of dusky, yes, or dark out, yes. yes. So when you then reveal it's in the middle of the daytime, it's one o'clock in the afternoon. The stakes suddenly seem lower. They, they do, yeah. You know, yeah. it doesn't make sense that they should, but I'm suddenly like, uh, it's not uh, as dramatic as it would be if, for whatever reason, it was just lower light, like it was dark. It's light. true. Oh. Yeah, yeah. The little details like that. Yeah. Because what was the one? Um, oh, the one with the uh, that we watched with the stupid strawberry margarita. <laughs> what was that? Oh yeah. Un, un, unchained, un, uh, unriddle. Unriddle. <laughs> It, it seems to be a common thing. It's like, uh, and like you pointed out, and that was the love me as I am through the ages. That was the one. He said, I, I think I've seen this building before. And yeah. I was like, yeah, we saw it in the other TV show because it's probably shot on the same lot and yeah. they just use the same building and try to like, I don't know, color code it differently in post, you know, to make it look like a different building. But yeah. Well, I mean, I see a lot of potential for it. and quite frankly, I mean, when you think of like some of the old TV, older TV shows like Star Trek: The Next Generation, which is like a fan favorite around the world, uh, um, especially for sci-fi fans. Yeah, when you watch that first season, it's almost unwatchable because they were trying to find their legs. You know, the the writing, the the look of the show. You know, when they. They first tried to get the women to still be in like miniskirt uniforms. And it's like, really? <laughs> it's like, is that this? Is that very practical? Kind of, you know, we're going to alien planets and stuff. I don't want to catch like <laughs> in the future where the HR department doesn't exist. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> the Me Too movement has been crushed by the full weight of the Federation. <laughs> that, would, that would be so great if Ferengi then showed up and they're like, You don't have an HR department? <laughs> Savages! <laughs> <laughs> or in the Ferengi uh, version, it'd be the FR department. Because it'd be Ferengi resources. Of course. Of course. <laughs> 
<laughs> Human resources. Human resources. What is that? <laughs> Human. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, well, anyway, before we come to our final conclusions on, on Rookie Agent Rogue, let's review our, our food, shall we? From Zendigi Kebab House. You had the hero sandwich or gyro sandwich. As I we did. said, and I had the uh, chicken kebab sandwich. And what would you grade your sandwich, sir? I would give my sandwich a 4.1. Oh, excellent. Okay. Um, I enjoyed it a lot, actually. It was very good. Um, yeah. I actually really did like it. And it, I'd give it much higher if it wasn't for the fact that it, it's one of my favorite kind of foods. And in England, that kind of food, we don't call it the same thing. We don't have hero, gyro, whatever in England. We, we call it dono called doner kebab usually um but it's different part of the world i think we're as is more turkish and i think over here it's maybe different. greek greece more greek. the hero is greek yeah i mean it's greek in england it's more turkish that same kind of food we have greek food but the, the kebab house well is more turkish mm-hmm. uh in england lebanese as well perhaps yeah but um so i'm so used to really good so i'm used to have, have had a lot of good ones but this compared to a lot of stuff you get here the heroes that have here for a lot of points, it's a very popular food. So, a lot of the like you know, heroes you get off the streets and the city and stuff, it's like, it's uh, like McDonald's, yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. like, oh, this is just whatever, right? right. Uh, but it was really good, it was, it was a lot of flavor, it was moist. I'd probably give it higher if it wasn't for some reason, like it was like th- there was way too much salad on it, I had so much lettuce, yeah. Like, my first like four bites were just lettuce, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like almost thinking about just chucking over my shoulder into the uh, tortoise tank <laughs> just being like <laughs> the tortoises would have appreciated that yeah. I'm sure <laughs> but, uh, okay uh, my yeah my chicken kebab was very nice uh, the chicken was a little bit on the dry side but I mean it's kebab so it's kind of hard and, and of course it traveled so that's part of it I mean kebabs usually they're always best if you have them right off the grill yeah. otherwise they'll dry up And but it was very tasty it was very nice, and again, like you said, there was just a little bit too much on the lettuce side. Um, I thought maybe a little bit too much yogurt in the pita because it made the pita very like like almost falling apart. Oh. So I thought it was maybe just yeah. a little bit too wet. Oh, I, I like that. I like that. Okay. Whatever weird reason. But but I mean, still, I yeah, I thought the food was fantastic. I I even got a side of. Uh, uh, hummus, which I've been just like dogging here. It's a very, and I make my own hummus, so I really appreciate hummus. This is a super tasty hummus. I'm not grading the hummus, but the sandwich itself, I, I definitely give that sandwich a solid four because it, it was, I will definitely go back there and, and get food again. Yeah. yeah it was very good. nice. That's Zendigi Kebab House at 228 Cluster Dock Road in Cluster, New Jersey. For those of you people that live nearby that want to go check it out. And so now for our Olympic. Edition International Brews. Yeah. So, Kirin Ichiban, what do you say, my friend, to our Japanese fans, particularly in uh, Nakanoku, Tokyo? Uh, I give it a 3.8. Okay. Uh, it was, I'm not a huge light beer lagery fan, but right. I, for, but I, it, it was good. I like it. I, for that kind of a beer, I, I, I certainly prefer that a lot more to the... Uh, the more Western beers, I usually find myself, like, if I have to have a lager of some kind, I, I find, like, those, or, like, a, a tiger or a cobra, more of an Asian kind of lager. Right. Just an added little, like, oh, just a little, like, I don't know, crisper, a little, just a, something. It is. It is a little bit crisper. You're right. Uh, um, and I actually, I'm used to, you know, when you go to the Thai restaurant, you get the, 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 the uh, um, they'll often serve, like, Sapporo and things like that. 
Uh, it goes really well with the spicy food because it's yeah. a lighter beer and all that stuff. Um, it's a really easy beer to drink. That's a great summer beer. Yeah. I, I think. Um, yeah, I'd give that a three, a three nine easily. Yeah. Um, I enjoy lagers too. Um, that's a little bit too light for me. I, I mean, I enjoy like the German lagers. They have a little bit more body, a little bit more, they're a little fuller. Uh, but uh, this this is a very nice, like you said, very crisp beer. I'll happily, our standard thing, is this a barbecue and this is the only beer we got? I'm perfectly yeah. okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm perfectly fine. And now for our brethren up in uh, Quebec, uh, the Quebec Quebecois beer, Maudit uh, by Unibrow. Uh, what do you think, my friend? The Belgian style double L. Maudit. Uh, I like it a lot. It's yeah. very nice. I'm kind of confused. The idea that uh, you know French Canadians even have a like a nice kind of beer like this. I'm like, leave it to the Belgian. I mean, this is a Belgian ale, but like, what? It's like you drink fucking wine, don't you? Is that what you're thinking? Just drink some wine. <laughs> no. I feel like the actual French are just looking at the French Canadians, being like, I... ah, you fakers, why are you not drinking a Bordeaux? <laughs> ah, Pinot Noir, you're drinking, you're with a new little sissy boys with your beers ah. now if there's one French people that will call another French people sissy boy the European French should definitely not call the Quebecois sissy boy I will just go that far and say that yeah. because of all the hockey players they yeah. will kick the shit out of European French <laughs> I know some of those French rugby players are in some you know there are some cavemen looking dudes oh in that yeah team. I'm sure but you're definitely right for the most part the the average the continental French are a little uh on the uh, you know artist side, yeah. We. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is a microbrewery, so I'm guessing it's kind of like like our boys here at the elementary, just guys that like beer. Yeah. I mean, when I went to Montreal, there was um, there's Molson Triple X, which is a nice beer. That's very you know, it, it's like a triple beer or whatever. Um, they taste different when you cross the border. Oddly enough, even Budweiser is drinkable in Canada. Yes, believe it or not. And it's probably because of the standards they won't allow certain things, or maybe it's just geared to the taste or whatever it is. There was a beer that I had when I was in Montreal called Aurora, which was just like a standard, and we had it like uh, in the pitcher, like at, at the cafe where we were, and it was just a really nice, crisp beer. So there's a whole bunch of beers up there that, you know, I was just like, okay, I've never had this before. Let me try this beer. Let me have that beer. So when I saw this, like I said... The, the Canadian section had your Labatt. It's like, yeah, Labatt's good. Had your Molson's. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Molson's had your Moosehead. It's like, yeah, I don't want Moosehead. And then I saw this and I said, okay, let me see. And it, I saw the Unibro and I was just like, okay, that looks like it's Quebecois. And sure enough, it's Quebecois. And this is a really nice beer. I will, um, well, anyway, sorry. I, I, you never even told me the, the grade for your beer. Uh, yeah, no, I'd give this, uh, I'd give this a 4.3. I liked it. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. I was going to give this uh, a, a 4.3 as well because it's just a solid beer. This is one of those beers, you come home at night after a long day, whatever, you have one of these two max. You don't need to drink more because hmm. it's just really rich and just full of flavor and really nice, well done. Gents. The little uh, silver top gives it that French added flavor. Eh oui, it, it uh, is almost like a champagne. The champagne of beer is not your course. Yeah, uh, you fucking French with your champagne. <laughs> we put down silver top, so not beer. 
I'm going to pretend that was even remotely understandable. <laughs> Whatever he said there. But this is a well done beer. Gentlemen and ladies, you should be proud of yourselves. This is a very nice beer. Okay. And now for a conclusion of Rookie Agent Rogue. What do, what, what do you think? What's going on here? I think it's exactly as I said. I think it's the tale of a young troubled woman coming to terms with her powers, with the ability to be able to make juices out of inanimate objects in a society that doesn't understand or appreciate her powers. This is... I I think you're right. She just turns on every inanimate object. That's that's a good move. That's a good move. I'm going to say... I'm going to say this is a TV show about a young woman who has superpowers to juice inanimate objects. Hmm. And an opposing faction who has superpowers that can kill people with raspberry jam at uh-huh. the blink of an eye. I think you were going to say it's an opposing faction that had the ability to go forward in time and take small elements of the future and bring them into the past Coca-Cola. to confuse people, <laughs> but only can bring one item at a time, like I... once every two years. See, Suits this... that are just slightly ahead in fashion. I see. <laughs> This is why you're the color commentator. I'm the play-by-play guy. I can't think I need of to such see, I need elaborate to see. <laughs> plots. As I need you to can. see something in like Hong Kong set in the seventies where they're all dressed like fucking Buck Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, do they have anything? Well, sorta. If you look at somebody older, what was it? The, not the Big Boss. What was the one with, with, with the guy that like had the fake hand? Which Bruce Lee movie was that? I forget. Edge the Dragon. Was it Enter the Dragon? When he's like, like Wolverine hand? The, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then he's like Enter the Dragon, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's Enter the Dragon, yeah. Because like some of the chicks in that had like but I mean it was the seventies. Everybody tried to dress like par- Parliament Funkadelic, so <laughs> Yeah. That was kind of Buck Rossery looking anyway. So well, all right, all right. So yeah. Inanimate object juicing. Okay. Yeah. I like it. I like it. That's a good one. You know, I mean, you realize whenever you come up with these like great plots, I put them down and think to myself, "How can I make this a sitcom?" Yeah. So, like, I start writing stuff. So, this is, you, you're 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 just a, a mind full of ideas. Oh, good. I had this great idea the other day. I was talking to someone at work. <laughs> Wait, let me just at, let me just point this uh, out. Yeah. There's no humility with young Sean here. Uh, I, I, I put it. <laughs> it's great. It's uh, brilliant. I, you know what is it? It's Fucking brilliant is what it is. That's what it is. It's 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 a great idea. Okay. Uh, these two. I'm not. I'm not sure if they're cops or criminals, but they probably should be on one side of the equation. Mm. That one of them uh, takes everything literally that's ever said, okay. and the other one only has the ability to take things figuratively. Wow. And just how they manage to get things done, and did they're like impossible to interrogate. Because they can never give each other in. Because, you know, one is just taking things exactly as as read. And the other one is just reading into everything as a just a... Mm. That's, you know what? That's a fantastic sketch. We're definitely right. Yeah. Here. And to quote the great Kelly LeBrock from Weird Science. It's a mind scrambler. That's what that is, my friend. It's a mind scrambler. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. We're, we're totally writing that and filming it. Yeah. People, sometime in the near future, we'll probably have a YouTube channel, and we're going to just do sketches from the various nonsense we've come up with this show. So mm. keep an eye out for that. Because mm. I, I, I definitely think that would work. 
Do we mention on the podcast that we're that we our external exploits are uh, theatrical? Sure, we do. Why, why wouldn't we? I do all the time, and I ask you if you want to plug something. You go, I, no, I no. never do. But now <laughs> we do so together. I feel like now we should. I don't know. Well, okay. Yeah, um, we are both in the play called Boise's Flying Saucer, out with the uh, Growing Stage Theater. Also Canadian. Town, There's Jersey. a Canadian uh, link there. It's a Canadian writer. Yes, this is true. That, that is a Canadian link. Very good. And we go up in March, right? March 9th? Is, yes. It's not the first weekend. It's it's the following week. Yeah. yeah. March 9th. And we have, what's it, 12 shows or something like that that we're doing? Yeah, it's like, was it three Three week, three weeks, three weekends? Three, three weekends. And then there's a couple of weekdays that we're doing shows as well. So, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, folks, if you want to come out to the Drogon Stages Theater in Nettown, New Jersey, and witness the two of us on stage, however briefly one of us is going to be on stage. Yeah, well, I mean... Yeah. Sean is the big star, people. Oh, don't don't big, even kid yourself. Big star. Big star. Oh, big star. Big star. Yeah, yeah, big star. Yeah. You can't miss him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a, it's a fun... I mean, all, all kidding aside, it's a fun play. It, it, it's a cute story. I, it's pretty I, good. No, I'm trying original play. Yeah, know. it's an original play, and this is actually the first time it's being uh, produced uh, for the theater. It I is think. the first. Time. Yeah, it's the premiere. It's the world premiere. Yeah, I, I love one of the things I love about doing original things is that it immediately shuts down people who want to have a conversation about what the fuck you're doing, which I love. <laughs> like whenever, especially other theatrical people or actors who are in between jobs or whatever, and you, they just want to talk and they just want to, oh, like, oh. And someone's like, oh, you're in a thing. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what is it? And then you, you say, like, oh, boys, he's flying saucer. And you see their brain trying to think of a way to come into that conversation. Like, oh, <laughs> oh yes, I think I know. And then no, you're you like, oh, it's original. It's a premiere. And then it just shuts it down. <laughs> and like, there's nothing they can add to it. <laughs> no, no. Because you can just be like, I don't know. <laughs> Oh. Like, keep your pretentious ass out of this conversation. Yeah, we're not talking Chekhov right now. We're not talking Shakespeare. <laughs> it's just you. like, nope, never been done before. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Kafka. You can go get us a cup of coffee. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right then, folks. Uh, thanks once again for listening to us and our uh, special Olympic beer episode. And um, tune in next time, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Yeah. Bye now. Bye.